So let's look again at Romans chapter 1, reading from verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, and who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the world. For God, whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you, always in my prayers, making request, if perhaps at last, by the will of God, I may succeed to, in, in coming to you. So, what, what we've seen is, is that we've seen different parts of this, and what God is, God is speaking to us through different parts of this. And so, what I, what I want to key in on here is we're, we want to finish up verse, verse, uh, verse 5 today. Again, he speaks of this obedience of faith. Faith. He gets it faith. This, this whole book of Romans just drives us right to faith. It doesn't matter what dispensation. In other words, whether it was Abraham, whether it was under the law of Moses, or whether under, under grace in Jesus Christ. Everything has always been, salvation has been by faith and not by works. And that's what we are going to see. So I want to just look, look at, a, at a, a, a couple of verses here. So if you look at, at uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. We looked at this last time, but I want to look at this again. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is, it is grace means this undeserved gift from God, and, and it is through faith. We get hold of this through faith. It is not through our works. It is not through our works, and that has never changed. It has always been this way. It was that way for Abraham. He was justified by his faith. It was that way through Moses. It was that way under the law. We were justified by faith, by faith. So it doesn't matter where we're living under. That has never changed with God. And I want to also look look at Romans chapter, chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. So the same book, chapter 9, verse 30 through 33. Romans 9, 30 through 33. What shall we say then? that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith. But Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, just as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and he who believes in me will not be disappointed." So what does he say here in verse 30 of Romans chapter 1? He says, what shall we say then? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness, even the righteousness was, that was by faith. He's saying Gentiles are receiving righteousness through faith. It is through our faith that we gain this righteousness. Through our faith that we get saved. It is through faith that we get this. And he's contrasting that to Israel. He says, but Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works. 
You can meet an, an Orthodox Jew and they'll say, you see this yarmulke on my head? You see this? You know, I, I wear this for a reason. And I light this candle, I say this prayer, I do this, I do this, I do this. And, and uh, I, I speak this. I personally, Jim Tour, speak this as a Jew. I speak this. Because I know these people and they're, and, and they're friends of mine. But it's all about receiving because of the works that they're doing. And what the New Testament and this book in particular is going to teach us about is it's not by your works <clears throat> that you're justified. <clears throat> it's, it's by faith, <clears throat> by faith that we're justified. <clears throat> it's a faith that's going to justify us. It says that, that uh, <clears throat> Israel was pursuing this, trying to get it through the law. And then he goes on, he says, but they, they stumbled over the stumbling stone. They stumbled over Jesus. Well, how do you stumble over something? It's like right in front of you. It's right there in front of you and you don't see it. And that's how you stumble over it. They stumble over the stumbling stone, just as it is written. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. He is speaking about Jesus. He says, I set Jesus right in front of them. That's why we read a few weeks ago in John chapter 5. He says, Moses wrote of me. Moses wrote about me. That's what Jesus said. That the writings of Moses were written about Jesus. That's what it says. It was written about Jesus. And so, so um, uh, th- this whole thing that, that Jesus was right there in front of them. And that's why Jesus said, I'm right there and you're not coming to me for life. It is all based on faith. Everything is based on faith. Let's go back to Romans chapter 1. And that's why he says in Romans chapter 1 verse 5, Obedience of faith. He's bringing us back to faith. Among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. Among whom... You also, verse 6 of Romans chapter 1, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. You are the called of Jesus Christ. He is saying, Jesus Christ has called you. We need to realize there is nothing, nothing that we have. Nothing. Salvation, nothing. Calling to come to God. It's all because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. It's like, oh, I found Jesus. No, I mean, Jesus was in front of you all the time. Jesus opened your eyes so that you could see him. Everything, everything good is because of Jesus. If you look in, in, in uh, why don't you read 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 10 says, For this reason I endure all things, for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. So here Paul is saying, Paul says, I endure everything for the sake of those who are chosen. You say the chosen one must be the believers. No, he's saying right here, so that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. So there's chosen that have not yet received salvation. We are going to see in this book that God is the one who does the selecting. God is the one who chooses. There is a chosen. And, and you say, well, that, that, that doesn't agree well with my theology. Not my fault. All right? I didn't write this book. This is what it says. It says, for the sake of those who were chosen so that they also may obtain salvation. Meaning they haven't changed, obtained it yet, but they are chosen. Jesus has chosen people. The reason you are a believer is because Jesus chose you. He chose you. 
Now let's look at another verse. Uh, let, look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has chosen you from the, be- chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. So God chose. If you are in Christ, God chose you from the beginning for salvation. He chose you from the beginning. From the beginning of what? From the beginning of creation, He chose you. Even before creation, He knew. He knew. He has made a choice. You say, I'm, I'm just not used to that theology. Again, not my fault. We're just reading what it says. So I'm gone, I've gone to a second verse, lest you think I was cherry-picking and, and, and uh, uh, just talking about certain, certain verses here. This book of Romans is going to be dripping with this whole chosen process. And that's why some people don't like to read Romans chapter 9, because it's just, it just knocks them over with how God chooses us. I'm telling you, everything is about Jesus. He does the selection. He does the choosing. Look in in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Look at that. Everything we have is in Jesus. Every good thing you have is because of Jesus. Verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 4, just as He chooses us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed to us in the Beloved. That's Jesus. He has... He... In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Everything is in Jesus. He predestined us. We were chosen, it says, in verse verse 4, chosen just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, before the world was even set, before any of us were around. He chose us. He chose us. It is amazing what God has done. He chose us chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us. Predestined isn't just foreknowledge. It means pre-planning. He set it up this way. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Every good thing we have is because of Jesus. And that's what we see here. Let's go back to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. So... Verse 6 again, among whom you are the called of Jesus Christ. He's saying, you're in Christ, He called you. He called you. Verse 7, to all who are beloved of God in Rome, call the saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, this guy cannot stop talking about Jesus. If you think that I'm so enamored with Jesus, I wish I could be enamored more. Paul is enamored with Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. I counted it. In the first nine verses of the book of Romans, in the first nine verses, eight times he cites Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus or the Son. 
eight times in nine verses. If I did that, you'd be like, all right, enough already. That's what this guy does. Everything is about Jesus for him. The more you get excited about Jesus, the more glory you bring to the Father. And the Father is glorified through the Son. You think that, what, what about the Father? Don't you? I love the Father. I love the Father. I love the Son. The Son has opened up for me the relationship with the Father. As, as we worship Jesus, this is worshiping the Father. In John chapter 17, verse 1, it says, Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. When we glorify Jesus, he's glorifying the Father. If you want to be my friend, I've said it before, you want to be my friend, you can be nice to me. But if you really want to be my friend, be nice to one of my children. There's something special to a parent when someone is good to their children. There is a man in this city, his name is, is Skip. And, uh, uh, and he has been so good to my children. When, when my daughter got out of law school, she was looking for a job in the Houston area. My wife was talking to this guy, Skip, who's, who's a lawyer. He has his own law firm. He says, oh, I'll hire her just like that. He had not even seen her resume, but just because she was our daughter, he hired her. And she loves her job because she's working around believers all day. She loves it. He hired my son when he was in high school. When my son was in high school, he hired him to work in his high-frequency trading operation because my son wanted to go into the, into the business world. I mean, as if a high school student is going to benefit his high-frequency stock trading. No, he did that for the sake of my son. He has been so good to my children. I love Mr. Skip. I love that man. Why? Because he's been good to my children. Same thing works with God. You be good to his son, he will love you. That's why he said, Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my commandments. And my father will love him and we will come and make our abode with him. John chapter 14, verse 23. If, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and my father will love him. You keep the commandments of Jesus, his father will love you. And Jesus said, we will come to him and make our abode with him. That's Jesus and his father are going to come and make their abode with you. This guy, eight times, and it's nine times if you include the name, where Paul cites the name, then it'd be nine times in the first nine verses of the book of Romans. I mean, this guy is enamored with Jesus. And this is what he says in verse 7 of Romans chapter 1. Those who are beloved of God in Rome, call the saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He constantly has to get this plug in. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And he says you're called as saints. There's three ways that saints are used in the Bible. Saints can mean the general church. Sometimes it's referred to as saints. Sometimes it's used as a, as, uh, it's referred to as a particular body of Christ, a particular local church. And sometimes it's used as an individual. They were called as saints. It's not something that was bestowed on them by by a church organization or something. No, it was bestowed by God. If you're a believer, you are a saint, which means set apart. It's like sanctification of an object. Saint is being set apart for God. <clears throat> then he says in verse 8, first, okay, so he's, so, so he's, he's, he's done this introduction, and now in, in, in chapter 1 of Romans, verse 8, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ, 
for you all because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. He can't even give thanks to God without going through Jesus. I thank my God through Jesus Christ because He knows Jesus is the one who's opened the door. Without Jesus, we can't even thank God. We could never even get close to God to thank Him had Jesus not called us and opened the door. Everything good in life is because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. We can't even thank God without Jesus. That's why he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ. It's all through Jesus. I would love if you would leave here loving Jesus more and loving His Word more. That's what I have for you. That's all I can give to you, is to offer to you this one whom I love so much, who is given himself for you in everything. It's through him that we can even thank the Father. We could not even approach the Father. We could, would have no knowledge of him, no understanding of him, had it not been for Jesus. Everything, everything we have, even the ability to thank God is through Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. <clears throat> it's not your works, it's your faith. Paul had never visited this church of Rome to this point. He doesn't visit the church of Rome until the, just near the end of his life. <clears throat> this church, unlike all other churches that we know of <clears throat> in, in, in the Bible, was not founded by an apostle. It's believed that this church was founded by Messianic Jews that, that in the diaspora where they had to leave because of the pressure upon them because of rabbinic and Pharisaic, Pharisaic attack. They left, they made their way to Rome, they started this church, and because of evangelism, it is just <clears throat> grew as a Gentile church. There were just so many Gentiles there, much like the church today, where if you look at most churches today, it's going to be mostly Gentiles, and you'll have a very small number of Jews sprinkled among them. And that's what this church was. And so he heard about this church. He heard about their depth of faith. It's the depth of faith that's just so amazing. It's this, this faith. When a man or a woman has faith, it is an amazing thing. They just believe God. They believe that God is going to do it. Lord, you haven't left me in my career. God didn't, God, God didn't get me through school. To just drop me and say, okay, now you're on your own. Now make it on... No, God. God is the one who got me through school. I used to pray all through college, all through graduate school. We had physical chemistry exams every Wednesday, and I hated it. Oh, and I would fall on my knees and pray to God for help. He got me through school. He is the one who got me through school. And... and uh, uh and he didn't get me through school to say, okay, now make it on your own. He was there every step of the way. When we believe that, there is tremendous grace in this. So much grace. When we, when we walk in this way. When we proceed in this way. Every step. He hasn't brought you into this job to say, now I drop you, now do this on your own. No. He's done this for us. God is so good to us when we believe that God is on our side. He means good for us. He hasn't given us this speaking opportunity to say, okay, now I want to just watch you up there on your own and make you sweat. I'm not going to give you any grace. No. When we really believe that God is for us, it has a tremendous effect. 
This is what faith is, to really believe God. I trust Him. I trust Him with my salvation. I trust Him with my day-to-day. I trust Him with my career. I trust Him with my relationships. I trust Him with my relationships with my children. I trust Him. I trust Him. That's why Jesus said, He who sent me is trustworthy. He who sent me is trustworthy, Jesus said. I trust Him. Jesus said, My Father sent me. He's trustworthy. He'll take care of me. And I believe God. He is trustworthy. Their faith is what was being proclaimed. That's what Paul, what, what, what caught Paul's attention about this church in Rome. Verse 9. For God, whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of His Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you. So he says, For God, whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of His Son. Here it says, the gospel of His Son. If you look at, 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 at verse 1 of Romans chapter 1, it says, the gospel of God. He mentions it of the gospel of God, and now he's saying the gospel of His Son. It's all one and the same. It's all one and the same. This is the gospel of His Son. This is the good news about Jesus Christ. The good news about God. That's what this is. He says, for God whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of His Son. This is what my life is about, he says. My life is about preaching the gospel. It would do us all well to have a life like this that is the preaching of the gospel. It would do us all well to be preaching of the gospel. To be able to preach the gospel like this. I urge you to try to pray and to say, Lord, Give me, give me souls. Lord, give me souls. Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. That we would cry out like Rachel, give me children or I die. It is when we cry out to God that He gives us souls. When we cry out to God, I wanted to do evangelism for years, for years. I've been doing evangelism for years, decades. And I'd see two or three a year get saved. But when I said, okay, don't worry about the methodology. I am just going to pray for souls. And made it my business of praying for souls. And when I see not souls saved, it, it, saved, it wrenches my heart. And I come before God and I say, what's happening? What's happening? How come through my life nobody's getting saved? Boom, boom. And then the people start getting saved. I urge you to do that. Paul says, this is my life. My life is preaching about the gospel. Why? Because I love Jesus so much. He has done so much for me. How could I help but speaking about this Jesus? His life was consumed with speaking about Jesus. Wherever he went. I mean, eight times in nine verses, Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. You know, people, people say that I'm fanatical. I mean, I'm not fanatical at all compared to Paul. I've heard people say a fanatic is someone who loves God more than you do. I mean, this is this is this this guy was just so amazing with his love for Jesus. He had to tell people, I urge you to do this. If you have a desire to share and see people coming to the Lord, I urge you to pray, to pray and say, Lord, get hold of my heart. Get hold of my heart and let people get saved 
Let people get saved. Lord, let me see it with my own eyes. And when people aren't saved, you pray to God. You know, I pray to God, Lord, if people don't get saved through my life, just take me away. Take me home. I'm ready to go. Raise up somebody else that's going to that's gonna do this. Because I want to see people saved. This is what it was about. For God, whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of His Son. How do you serve God? Preaching of the gospel of His Son. Preach the good news about Jesus Christ. The methodology is not that important. Everybody wants to know what's the methodology. How do you do that? That's not the important thing. The important thing is that you pray and your heart gets right and then these opportunities open up. And you know what He does? It's amazing. He leads you to those whose spirits, whose hearts are stirred and ready to get saved. It is, it is so much easier to share with people that are just on the verge of getting saved. Yeah, you witness to people all the time and everything, but, you know, Jesus, there, there's, a, there's a verse in the Bible that says, it, it says, uh, um, uh, from now on, you will be catching men. Others have labored, and now you have entered into their labor, and you will be catching men. Catching is very different than fishing. I love catching fish. I hate fishing. Fishing is just, you know, you sit there all day and you get one nibble. You catch, it, it's an amazing thing. He leads you, when you pray like this, He leads you to people that other people have invested in. And you just go and close the deal. You just go and close the deal. And you get to see all these people saved. And these people are like, well, how I was sharing with them for years. And I walk in, boom, the deal's closed. Just like that. He leads you to these sort of people. When you pray like this, He leads you to this fruit which is just ready to be picked and it's just right there at eye level. You walk right into it. Oh, it's right in front of you. This is, Paul said, you know, I love preaching the gospel. He said, uh, um, and then he goes on and he says, uh, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you always in my prayers. He had never met them and he's always praying for them. He'd never met them, and he's always praying. This shows you that we can pray for people just through some missionary newsletter. We can pray to, for people when they say, this friend of mine needs prayer. I've never met your friend, but I can certainly pray for them. This shows the very thing. He never met these people. He never had a, a you know, he never visited them by, by Zoom or by Skype or anything. He never talked to them on the phone. He may have had some letters about them, but, you know, he never had pictures of them or anything. But he's praying for them and he says, how unceasingly. He says, he says, uh, uh, for God, for God whom I serve in my spirit and the preaching of the gospel is my witness. He's saying, look, I really mean it. I'm not messing around. When I tell you I pray for you all the time, it's not like, oh sure, I'll be praying for you. No, it's not like that. This is, this is the real thing. He says, God is my witness. I really mean it. I pray for you all the time. He was all the time praying for this church of Rome and he didn't know the people there. He didn't know them and he's praying for them all the time. This shows us that we can pray for people whom we've never met. And he says, I pray for you all the time. I make mention mention of you. He mentions them. He, is, he prays and he says, Lord, remember the church in Rome. Remember the believers there. Strengthen them. Your grace be upon them. He's praying specifically and naming Rome. He's specifically naming them. 
I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you. He's saying that, that uh, you know, I really hope that I can come to you. This is what I want to be able to do. I want to be able to come to you. You know, there's, there's different reasons why he wasn't able to get to certain churches. In, in, uh, in 2 Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians 2.18, 1 Thessalonians 2.18 says that Satan prevented me from coming to you. Not in the church of Rome, but in, in, in other churches that, that in, in, he was talking about the, to Thessalonica, Satan prevented me. So there were, there were attacks of Satan that prevented him. In this case, in this case, it was particularly, it talks about this in, in, in Romans chapter 15, the reason he had not come yet was that the workload was so much. He was laboring so much with other churches, he had not the opportunity to come to them. So, you know, there's some places we want to go where we just can't go. You know, we got jobs and things that, you know, this happens in life. It happened to Paul. He said, I haven't been able to come to you. So he says, uh, um, uh, verse 11, um, well, verse 10, always in my prayers making requests, if perhaps now at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. So that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. There's this whole establishment that came. You know, the, the church was established through the apostles. There was no apostle in this church. It had never been formerly, for, formally, formally established through the establishment of an apostle. He says, you know, I, I really pray that I can come to you because I want to drop some spiritual gift on you. I want to be able to do this. And he talks about this establishing of churches. Uh, if you look in, in, in Romans, Romans chapter 16, uh, Romans chapter 16, if you look at, at verse, verse uh, 25 and 26, Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to the obedience of faith. He says there is an establishment that's coming. It's going to be an establishment and there's going to be an obedience of faith. And he talks about there is this mystery and he mentions in this my gospel. He talks about my gospel. And so if you look in, in uh, um, uh, uh, Romans, Romans chapter, chapter 15, Romans chapter 15, uh, and let's start reading at, at uh, um, uh, verse... No, that's another verse. But anyway, so... so I, I'll just mention this, is that, is that he's, he talks about this, my gospel. Why does he say my gospel? Paul, more than anyone else, more than anyone else, is speaking this word. He talks about the establishment of Gentiles worshiping with Jews. If you, People say that, that the mystery was, was actually the church. Actually, if you look in the Old Testament, there are at least two, maybe even three scriptures that talk about the establishment of the church. But the mystery was that Gentiles were going to be worshipping right along the Jews, all based on faith. That was the mystery. The Gentiles and Jews were going to be together. And, and that's exactly what this church was in Rome. It was established by Jewish believers. 
and it was predominantly now Gentiles. And he says, you are fulfilling this. That was the mystery. That's the mystery that's come. And then in verse 12, he says, that, that is that I may encourage you together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. In other words, we're going to encourage each other. I'm going to leave something with you, but you're going to leave something back with me. And I see this all the time. So I get invited to these churches to come and speak about, you know, some topic of science and faith or something like that. And uh, because the number of scientists that love Jesus is, and, and are willing to talk about him is a small number. So, so, uh, so I get invited to these places to speak. And usually I get to spend a lot of time with the pastor. And, you know, if I'm there for a day and a half or something, I spend a lot of time with the pastor. I leave something with that church, but I take back something with me. And it's usually I get to know this pastor. Last year, I was invited to Tulsa, Oklahoma to speak in a church. And I spoke at, at the University of Tulsa, gave a couple talks there, and I spoke in a local church. And I spent uh, a couple days with this pastor. And he was so blessed with what I left with his church, but I was more blessed with what I learned from him. I just watched this man. And, and uh, I just love to watch pastors. How do they handle things? This guy had one meeting after another for me. I mean, one meal, one meeting after another. And I, I didn't want to eat much because I had to preach each, every one of those nights. I had to, to, to give, give talks. So I wasn't eating much, but, but uh, uh, I had the, these meals. And he would always invite a different group of people from his church. Why? Because he loved them. He wanted them to have the opportunity to interact with me. And I watched the way he cared for his flock. And he has been a pastor in that church for like 30 years. It's hard to be a pastor for 30 years in one place. Because people get tired of you. And you get tired of them. But not this pastor. He loved his flock. And I just watched him. And, and he would have these different groups of people. He wanted his people to have contact with me. And I just watched the care he had for this flock. And he's a scholarly guy. Prior to being a pastor, he had been a professor of, of, uh, of, of biblical Greek. What do I know about Greek? I don't know anything about Greek. Biblical Greek, modern Greek, no Greek. I don't know any of it. And, and uh, you know, he's a real theologian. I'm not. I just fly by the seat of my pants with the, with, with the Bible. I don't really know what I'm doing. I just read the verse. But I've not been trained in this thing. This guy is trained. But he's blessed through me, I'm blessed through him. Last year, about a year and a half ago, I was in a church in, in northeast Houston. And I just watched this pastor. I, I gave two messages in his church and then another message to a smaller group after that. So three messages on one Sunday morning. And I just watched this pastor, how he coordinated. It was a multicultural church. I would say it was, it was, it was like a, a third black, a third Hispanic, and a third white, which is an amazing sort, sort of, uh, of mix uh, to have those percentages. And I watched the way this, this white man interacted with all his different staff from all these different cultures. And I was just amazed. I learned so much from him. This is what Paul's saying. It's not like so one-sided that I'm going to go here and establish you and leave you with something. No, this is, there's a lot here. There's a lot here. Because he says that, that uh, um, I'm going to get something from you. That's what the body of Christ is like. None of us gets up to a level where we don't need this. I love meeting new people in churches and getting to know them because I'm always left with something. Wow. I see. And I remember speaking with a young lady in that church in Tulsa, and she was carrying a puppet. And I said, what are you doing with that? But she said, I work in the children's ministry. 
I said, do the kids like puppets? She says, oh, they love it. She says, as soon as I start using this puppet, all the kids start watching. It's, it's like, the, the, even though it's all, my lips that are moving, they just watch this puppet, and, and they're just glued in on this puppet. And I was listening to that. Wow, that's an amazing thing to minister to kids. And I learned something that for, for this, from this young lady and to see her love for ministering to two-year-olds. I mean, that's... That's a real gift. I, I don't have a particular gift with that. But just to see that she has that. And my children have been so blessed growing up in the church. People like this. That's what he's talking about. The love that comes. The interaction that comes. I mean, this is just an amazing passage. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the establishment of the church. This is so good. I want you to leave here today loving Jesus all the more. And just remember, you cannot love him too much. You cannot worship him too much. Forever is not long enough to worship him. Every good thing we have is because of Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. Glory, glory, glory be to your name. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be his glorious name. Thank you, Lord God, for all your grace and all your mercies. Thank you, Lord God, for how good you are to us. You are so good. Lord, I thank you because there is such truth in this and in your word that we can't even thank the Father without going through the Son. It is Jesus who has called us before the foundation of the world. And Father, I pray for the unbelievers on this call, the unbelievers on this line, the unbelievers that would hear this message after it's posted on on the Internet. Father, I pray that they would be drawn to Jesus, that their hearts would be opened. Father, save their souls, I pray. And Father, I pray that you would take those who've heard this message and they would all the more cry out, give me children or I die, that their lives would revolve around trying to see other people get saved. Father, that they would pray to that end. Father, that they would pray to that end. And Father, save souls, I pray. Today, save souls, I pray. Lord, open it up. Open it up that ones might get saved. Lord, glorify your name through us. Father, teach us through your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you that we can be praying for the lost. We can pray for people whom we've never met. And your power and your grace abounds. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name. Amen.